0: This evening we're looking at Psalm 3 again. It's our last visit to Psalm 3 and we're looking at the last two verses, verses 7 and 8. So far in this psalm we've seen King David fleeing from his son Absalom who stole the hearts of the people and then he stole his father's kingdom from him. David had been a valiant man of war. Even from his youth, but now in Psalm 3, things appeared uh, to be very different, with many people considering him to be forsaken by God. you just got to look at verse 2, what David says in verse 2. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. How wrong those people were, for example... In verse 5 we considered the peace that David experienced with him saying, I laid me down and slept, I awaked for the Lord sustained me. And even though David fled from his son Absalom, he most certainly was not afraid. Not afraid of Absalom, not afraid of anyone. As he said in verse 6, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. How could David have experienced so much peace? And how was it that David was so unafraid? His trust was in the Lord, who was his shield, his glory, the lifter up of his head and his sustainer. Looking now at verse 7. It is written, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. In verse 6, David had every reason to say, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me or against me round about, because as he said in verse 7, thou hast smitten all mine enemies. There's a good answer to it, isn't there? Why should he be afraid of 10,000 people? Why should he be afraid of anyone, if God has smitten all his enemies? David had no delusions of being superman. Rather, he attributed all his success in battle and in defeating his enemies to the Lord. Just turn with me, keep your finger in the Psalm 3, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 18. We've got quite a reading from there, but it's worth looking at. And we'll see why it is that David was unafraid. And what he meant when he said, thou hast smitten all mine enemies. 1 Chronicles, chapter 18. Reading from verse 1. Now after this it came to pass that David smote the Philistines and subdued them and took Gath and her towns out of the hands of the Philistines. And he smote Moab. And the Moabites became David's servants and brought gifts. And David smote Hadareza, king of Zobar, unto Hamath, as he went to establish his dominion by the river Euphrates. And David took from him a thousand chariots and seven thousand horsemen and twenty thousand footmen. David also held all the chariots' horses, but reserved of them a hundred chariots, And when the Syrians of Damascus came to Hadareza, king of Zobar, David slew of the Syrians two and twenty thousand men. Then David put garrisons in Syria, Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought gifts. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were on the servants of Hadareza and brought them to Jerusalem. Likewise, from Tibhath and from Chun, cities of Hadareza, brought David very much brass, wherewith Solomon made the brazen sea and the pillars and the vessels of brass. Now unto Tobu, king of Hamath, heard how David had smitten all the host of Hadareza, king of Zobah, he sent Hadaram, his son to King David to inquire of his welfare and to congratulate him because he had fought against Hadareza and smitten him. For Hadareza had war with Tobu and with him all manner of vessels of gold and silver and brass. Then also King David dedicated unto the Lord with the silver and the gold that he brought from all these nations, from Edom and from Moab and from the children of Ammon and from the Philistines and from Amalek. Moreover, Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, slew of the Edomites in the Valley of Sort 18,000 and he put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Can you see it there? Why it is that David said, I will not be afraid of ten thousand men. Therefore, in Psalm 3, 7, David had no thoughts of trying to save himself from his enemies. Rather, he was looking to the Lord to arise and to save him. In the book of Psalms, the Lord is called upon to arise on about 11 occasions. And, would you believe it, on one of those occasions, in Psalm 44 and verse 23, it is written, Awake! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever, as if the Lord ever sleeps. The Lord never sleeps, he never slumbers. So what's going on here with David calling on the Lord to arise, O Lord? Why would anyone who is trusting in the Lord, as David did, call on the Lord to arise and to save him? Not for the first time, David was in fact declaring his great faith in the Lord. Can you see that? That's why he was calling on the Lord to arise and to save him. He was declaring his faith in God. In verse 4, David cried unto the Lord. And again here in verse 7, signifying that he was lifting his eyes where? Lifting them up to heaven from where his help and his salvation came. And we see examples of this in the Bible. For example, in Job chapter 16 and verse 10, Job said of his adversaries, they strike me reproachfully on the cheek. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 39, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As such, where we see here in verse 7 of Psalm 3, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. What was going on there? Striking your enemies on the cheek can be seen as pouring contempt upon them. When your enemies, dear Christian, strike you on the cheek or pour scorn upon you, you're to give them the other cheek. That's not necessarily saying you can't defend yourself if you're being attacked. This is about being ridiculed and people treating you contemptuously striking you on the cheek and as we as we see in Job chapter 16 and verse 10 Job said of his adversaries his enemies they strike me reproachfully on the cheek therefore when David said to the Lord for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone he was confessing that in past battles it was God who had shamed and who who had humiliated David's enemies. Furthermore, when David said, Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly, he was acknowledging that not only had the Lord shamed and humiliated all his enemies, such as we've seen in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 18, not only had he shamed, humiliated them, he had taken away their strength and he had left them like toothless tigers broken the teeth of the ungodly. Let's have a bit of application here. Jesus, who is the Lord, has done the same thing for all who are trusting in him. All, and that includes each one of us here who are trusting in Jesus, and beyond that, all of us, even if we're not trusting in Jesus, we have all sinned. We have all, we all come short of the glory of God As a result of sin, there is death, both physical and spiritual death, because of our sin. The sin of Adam in the garden and sin that has been in this world ever since, like a tsunami from generation to generation. People being born as sinners, as children of wrath, at enmity with God. However the good news is that by his own death at the cross and by his resurrection the Lord Jesus Christ he has bruised the devil's head and he has destroyed the devil's power of death for all who are trusting in him. It's not that the devil has ever had sovereign control of death. Ultimately God is the one who controls death. We don't give the devil the glory or the credit for anything nevertheless it is through the devil's deceit that sin and death came to Adam and then to all of us the devil is still busy in the world we all know that don't we we were considering that this morning how people all of us we lie we lie we lie if we're good at something it's lying And no wonder when you think that the God of this world was a liar from the beginning. He is the father of lies. And the devil is still busy in this world, walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And death is most certainly not yet destroyed. Nevertheless, those who belong to Jesus have had all their sins laid upon Jesus, And they have no need to fear death because he has died in their place for their sins and he has given them everlasting life. They have everlasting life in the risen saviour. Praise God for that. Oh yes, the devil's head has been well and truly bruised by the Lord and his teeth has been well and truly broken. When it comes to inflicting mortal wounds on the redeemed of the Lord. The devil walks around this world like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you who belong to Jesus, you remember that he, although he's a lion walking around this world, he is toothless. The Lord Jesus Christ has bruised his head and broken his teeth. And you look unto Jesus and you... Look to him who secured the victory by his own death at the cross. He has destroyed the one who had the power of death. That is the devil. Let's have a look at verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. In verse 7, David said, Arise, O Lord, and save me. And when you consider his situation, it's reasonable to, to, to say that the salvation he was looking for at that particular time was salvation from his enemies, those who were coming after him. Salvation from earthly enemies. However, in light of many other Bible verses that speak of salvation, we can legitimately apply this to salvation from sin. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. It says in verse 8. Salvation from sin is to be seen in this verse, in verse 8. Salvation from sin as well as salvation from earthly enemies. Indeed, salvation from sin, you need to realise that this is the biggest enemy of all. Not your earthly enemies, it's sin. Your earthly enemies, they won't send you to hell, but your sin will. Unconfessed sin... Sin that has not been atoned for. That's the way to get to hell. Looking at verse 8, it is only when people are trusting in Jesus for their salvation that they become the Lord's people. Look at it again. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Thy people. They are the ones who receive salvation Forgiveness of sins, salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the Lord's people. As, as for the Lord's blessings be upon, being upon such people, they have not just some, but all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessings, too many to mention now. I wouldn't be able to remember them all anyway. Far too many. Manifold blessings, starting with the forgiveness of sins, past, present and future, redemption from destruction in hellfire, peace with God, everlasting life, a heavenly inheritance and so much more besides. But look again, look again at verse 7. David's opening words were, Arise, O Lord save me. The implication there, if if David was praying, calling out to God to arise, what's the implication? That the Lord was seated. The Lord was seated. And the Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed seated. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And for the time being, sinful And unrepentant men, women, boys, and girls defiantly live their lives according to their own sinful desires and not according to the Lord's holy ways, His standards. None of us do. We can't. It's not that God is unreasonable, it's that we are sinners. However, the time will come when the Lord Jesus Christ will arise from his Father's throne and he will come down, having risen from his Father's throne, he will come down into this dark world of sin and he will sit upon the throne of his glory to judge the living and the dead. Speaking of himself, in John chapter 5 and verse 28, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And likewise in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 12, the apostle John was given a vision about which he said, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The chap that I was speaking to this morning after the service, he was almost in tears as he was speaking to me speaking about friends, people he knows and loves, uh, that he's come over to see on this island. And um, he, he mentioned the lake of fire, that he's been trying to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want them to go into the lake of fire. This is the reality. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And Jesus will arise from his Father's throne, and he will... Come down in judgment, and he will judge the living and the dead to those of you who imagine that even though you are not trusting in the sinlessly perfect life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death at the cross, you will nevertheless escape damnation because you 've seen that worked uh, works judged according to their works and you're kind of thinking to yourself well actually i've done some pretty good things in my time i've um i've fed the neighbor's cat when she went on holiday and i've i've done various things i, I i've given to charity and i'm pretty good i think god will be more than pleased with me you need to remember other verses of scripture it is by grace that you are saved through faith and this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Lest any man should. there be no boasting in heaven. No one saying to the person next to him before the throne of God, I knew I'd get here. I was special, you know. The work of God is to believe in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is first and foremost Don't ever be deluded enough to think that you can impress God, that I can impress God, except it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, through faith in his death at the cross. You can all you can you know, we how much do we understand about the cross? I try to understand more and more each day, tried I look to God to give me a greater appreciation of it every day. Because when it comes down to it, I don't really understand too much, and I sure don't appreciate the 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 crosswork of the Lord Jesus Christ like I ought to. But one thing we can kind of think of—just imagine it: God sends His Son into the world. That much we can imagine. That's not out of our scope of understanding. God sent His Son into the world. God sent Him to die for sinners. Here is a trustworthy saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came to save sinners, came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. He came into this world to die on a cross for sinners. So we needn't be surprised when we read in John chapter 3 and verse 36... That the wrath of God abides on all of those who are not trusting in Jesus. It kind of makes sense to you, doesn't it? You don't have to even be a Christian to work that one out. That the wrath of God would be upon you if you are not trusting in his beloved son. The son who is in the bosom of the father the son in whom God, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, in him am I well pleased, when Jesus was baptised in the Jordan. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was that voice from heaven again, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And the greatest obedience of all, of the Lord Jesus Christ, was when he was hanging upon that cross, bearing away sin, and for anyone to imagine for one second that their good works, or what they see as their good works, will get them into heaven, and they haven't trusted in Jesus. You know, you really need to wake up and get real. The Bible talks about judgment. The Bible talks about Jesus rising up, coming into this world again, not as a sacrificial lamb, but as the judge. uh, God has committed all judgment to the Son. And people will be cast into the lake of fire, those who have not trusted in him for their acceptance before God having acknowledged their sins. So, that's the reality. Take very seriously the fact that the Lord will one day arise and visit in wrath and in judgment. About 2,000 years ago, the Son of God arose from his heavenly throne. He came down into the world and he dwelt amongst men. He has brought salvation to a countless number of helpless and hopeless sinners like you and like me. And even now, he still forgives all repentant sinners who trust in him for the forgiveness of their sins. It's trust. It's as simple as that. There was a man in the Old Testament. He wanted. He, he, uh, uh, he was the commander of the Syrian army. He came into Israel because he'd heard that he could be healed of his leprosy. He had leprosy, although he was an important person. He had leprosy. Go to Israel. His little Hebrew maid told him, "And uh, you will be. There's someone there who will heal you." The prophet will heal you. He couldn't believe it when the prophet said to him, immerse yourself in the river Jordan. What? Is that all? Immerse myself in that filthy river. And he was most indignant at first. And his servants had to speak to him, just do as the prophet says. Don't argue. It was as simple as that. And so, he got into the River Jordan, immersed himself in the river, and he was healed. To God be the glory. The Bible's not asking you to do anything amazing, jump through hoops or or anything else. You can't do anything anyway. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That is the message of the Bible. Cry out to God today if you haven't already done so. Cry out to God to visit you in mercy and to save you from your sins. Again I say, call on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen. Amen.